0: Our podcast has been rated in the top one half percent of all podcasts in the world by ListenNotes.com, so you know your message will be heard. Now, here is your host with today's interview, Pastor Bob Thibodeau.
1: Hello, everyone, everywhere. Pastor Robert Thibodeau here. Welcome to the Kingdom Crossroads podcast today. We are so blessed that you're joining us. Have you ever read the Bible and wondered why something was phrased a certain way? Or maybe you wondered why one particular word was used in this particular passage of scripture. If you're a serious student of the Bible or perhaps a new Christian and you get confused about the use of certain words, well, I have some good news for you today my guest today is janie pitts the author of a great book deeply defined understanding who you are in christ you will definitely want to add to your reading list and resource list her book janie encourages inspires women to become the person god created them to be in their families and their relationships and in their lives she enjoys sharing profound biblical truths using her knowledge of first century biblical culture as well as translating the original greek and hebrew languages and then puts it all into a modern day relevance. Now, Jamie, I want to thank you for joining us today on the podcast. I do appreciate you carving a time out of your busy schedule to be with us today.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I'm so excited just to have this conversation.
1: Amen. Now, the first question I always start with, other than that brief information I just shared, can you tell us in your own words, who is Janie Pitts?
2: All right. Well, I am a wife and I'm a mom of two college students, uh, and I currently serve on staff at Newark Fellowship in Hopkinsville, Kentucky, and I'm the missions mobilizer, which means I am over anything missions. If it's local, national or international, I'm your girl. And, uh, and I love that. I serve on staff with my husband, Um, he's the biblical spirituality pastor, mm-hmm. and uh, we've been married for 25 years. So that's Thanks kind God. of neat. We've been serving Jesus together for 25 years. Uh, and then I uh, also, like you said, am the author of Deeply Defined, Understanding Who You Are in Christ.
1: Amen. Amen. You know, when, when I'm teaching on, you know, I can't say I do it all the time, but at least 90% of the time, I guess you could say, I always refer back to the the cultural setting that the scripture is set in, because I think that provides, you know, not just the listener, but a serious student. And for that matter, new Christians who are trying to find things up, you know, some things in the Bible say I don't understand what that means. But when you put it yes. into the, you know, like the agricultural culture of that time, you know, that, that's where they were at. That's why Jesus used parables about the seed and the sower and, and things like that it begins to make a lot more sense and it brings clarity to the Bible. And when I seen what your book was about, I was like, Oh, this is good. This
2: is,
1: (laughs) well, what inspired you? Because you go deep. I mean, I do some Greek and Hebrew studies when I'm trying to, but you, I mean, you might as well have a PhD in this thing. (laughs) I don't know about that. but (laughs) But what inspired you to even begin? The research into the Greek and Hebrew languages as they relate to the Bible. You just didn't wake up one day and say, hey, I know what I'll do this weekend. I'll study the Greek and Hebrew words from the Bible. That sounds like fun. You didn't say that, did you?
2: No, and it certainly was not a weekend either. Um, It was was two years um, of writing. I, I wasn't really in a hurry. The reason why I wrote the book is because before I was the missions mobilizer at our church, I was over the student ministry, which is uh, grades 7 through 12. And so I would teach every Wednesday night, and I decided to do a series called Defined, because I realized that the students would use words like grace, mercy, holiness. And when I would say, what do those things mean? They couldn't articulate it. They couldn't put it into words. And then I realized that even my workers were having trouble doing that. And I thought, okay, it is so important that we know what we believe and why we believe it. Let's let's do this series. So it was originally going to be a six week series, and people loved it. And it it and I mean, you know, teenagers don't get excited about a whole lot. And they even were like, "Wow, this is great!" And some parents started coming in. I mean, it was it was wild. And so the six week study turned into, I don't know, 12, 13, maybe 14 weeks. And I finally, finally was like, guys, we, we gotta move on. We've got to do something different. <laughs> but I couldn't, I couldn't get it out of my head. And eventually I felt like the Lord was telling me, Janie, people, people need this. And because this information is out there, but it's out there in a very educational theological way and it needs to be out there just for the everyday joe and so i thought okay if if i'm supposed to do this and i have a journalism degree and then i have my seminary degree and so i thought well the lord has equipped maybe you know this is what he's saying to do so i wasn't in any hurry And I took two years. A lot of times I would wake up about four in the morning, which I'm not an early riser, but I would wake up and I would write until about seven. But of course, there was a lot of research that went into it. I loved it. I loved going deep. I loved seeing the cultural context and because it started opening up not only the Bible, but in my prayer time, in my worship time, how I viewed the Lord, how I viewed myself, everything was shifting, everything was changing. And so it was, you know, I always thought, okay, even if this book never gets picked up, I'm doing this for me. And uh, so, but it did get picked up. and, And I hope that people will want to read it because it's designed to help people go deeper. It's designed to to go along with your Bible. In the back, I even put definitions because I wanted it to be at people's fingertips Mm. to wherever they were reading a word in their quiet time or in their Bible study, and they couldn't remember what what the cultural context was or what the Greek or what the Hebrew was, they had a quick and easy guide amen. where they could flip to so that they could take notes and it would go deeper and penetrate their hearts.
1: Yeah. Amen. Amen. That's awesome. And it's needed too. I mean, it is needed. You know, I, I know with computers and cell phones and stuff nowadays, you can have a concordance right there in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Uh, I've yeah. still got my you know, Strong's Concordance, like, you know,
2: three inches yes. thick,
1: and, and I still use it, but I, yes. So, yes. but, uh, but yeah, the, it, you know, I'm working on, I'm not doing this in promotion, folks, okay, I'm just telling you what my projects are, uh, I'm working on a book right now called The Samika of Jesus, and uh, it's based upon uh, the scriptures contained in Luke 20 verses 1 through 8, and I'm, I'm not going to go all into all that here, but it's basically where the Pharisees were confronting Jesus and say, "Who gave you the authority to do these things? Who, who, who You know, how do you have this authority? Who gave it to you?" And that's where Jesus turned it around on them and say, "Well, answer me this, and I'll tell you. You know, John the Baptist who gave him his, his authority, right? And is it from men or from God? And that word authority is translated somika. in a, in a nutshell, it goes back to rabbinical teachings that you can only teach what your rabbi taught you. You're locked into mm. that. And I relate it to uh, like going to college. You know, you're you're your journalism major. Okay. Mm-hmm. Graduate from college, you're a doctorate in journalism. Say, okay, I'm a doctor. I think I'm gonna go do a heart surgery today and go down yeah. to the hospital and say, hey, I'm here, I'm a doctor, you know. No. You can't do that. Right. Know? Not and, that
2: kind of doctor. Right.
1: <laughs> and, and that's kind of how the rabbis were. They were locked into the training of that particular rabbi. And that was called their, uh, their well, not the same, that's a different test, uh, definition. samika means you have permission to create your own line of teaching. It'd be like a Albert Einstein with the theory of relativity. Now you could be a doctor in theory of relativity because Einstein taught you how to do it. But he received oh, wow. permission to teach that, I guess you could say yes. it's the easiest way. But I'm writing a book on that aspect of it. And so, like I said, when I seen what you were writing, I was like, Oh, this is good because it dives into the, the culture and the <laughs> Greek and the Hebrew and and it just brings clarity to the yes. scriptures you're reading. You know, like when I realized what that word authority meant, suddenly it made sense why he asked tell me who John the Baptist, you know, who gave him his authority. Because was it from God or was it from men? And because it all relates back to the authority he had, you know, because if they said, well, God gave it to him, they said, well, same here. You know,
0: (laughs) because in order to receive,
1: I'll I'll tell you the secret behind because in order to receive the Samika at a rabbi, when he was entering his rabbinical priesthood, had to be baptized. Baptism wasn't invented by John the Baptist. It's something they all did. And right. every time there, you know, when you got engaged, you got baptized, you got married, you got baptized, all right. major events, you got baptized. The rabbis, when they graduated and became rabbis, they had to be baptized into the rabbinical priesthood. And mm-hmm. that's why Jesus went down to John the Baptist to be baptized. That's why he said, we have to do this. It has to fulfill the scripture. Right. You know? And, uh, but you had to have two witnesses right. after your baptism that you had to have Samika, that you had permission to do this. And it was so rare, it only happened like once in a lifetime, you know, like 70, 80, sometimes 100 years, maybe one might have a thorough understanding of the script where he would be given this special permission. And Jesus went under the water, came back. Well, John was like, you know, the Lamb of God takes away the sins of the world. Testimony number one, right? Mm -hmm. Jesus came up from the water. Nobody said anything. God spoke. This Mm -hmm. is my beloved son. Testimony number two. There's his permission, mm-hmm. you know. But that, wow. that's the all that came out of that one study of that word authority, right? it opens up all the scriptures, you know, right? And suddenly it all made sense. Different passages. So when I read your book, it's doing the same thing, you know. I, I'm like, <laughs> oh, I never said. I read the scripture thousands of times. I never understood. Oh, wow, you know. And yes. Flip back in the Bible, get out the highlighter. <laughs> <You know>? Yes. <laughs> <Man>. <laughs> That's what your book meant for me. And I, I'm just, Thank oh, you. that's why I was so excited to have you on. But why do you think this book is going to be such a blessing to people right now in this day and this culture that we're living in?
2: Well, I think people don't know who they are. And I think they don't know who they are uh, because you have all of these different things. You have social media. Trying to tell you who you are, you're trying to cultivate someone that maybe you're not. You know, you you put the highlight reels up and then you see other people's highlight reels and and whatever. And we need to know that, you know, the Lord created us exactly who we are for a reason and a purpose. And he sees us through the eyes of grace and mercy and love and forgiveness. And in his holiness, he interacts with us. And we can we can grasp on who we are. And when we do that, we see more of who the Lord is. We need to understand who he is first and foremost. And then view ourselves through who he says that we are. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it's and it's just so important for us to listen to the one who matters, which is which is the spirit and Jesus Christ and who God says we are. And and it's important that we connect with him on a personal level and we can't do that if if we don't understand we're never going to understand who he is he's i mean we're limited he's limitless right but we still can understand aspects that that touch our hearts and draw us closer to him because i think the more that we understand who he is and how he interacts with with who he created it helps us reflect that and it gives us a humility and a confidence at the same time to approach the throne of grace in, in a beautiful and honest and open way
1: amen that's so true should your book deeply defined should it be read straight through like a regular book or is it a reference or is it a study guide you know what's the best best method for reading your book
2: well, when I wrote it, I originally wrote it as a uh 5 day a week 6 6 week study guide. That's that was the original intent of the book. And but then I realized because I've never published anything before. Um my publisher Morgan James who is fabulous uh met with me and they said, "Look, we love it, but you're an unknown no people are not going to buy a study guide, turn it into a book, but you can still keep that idea if you would like. And then it's, it's kind of dual in its purpose. And I thought, well, that's brilliant. So, um, I don't think that you can read it all the way through. It's, it is kind of deep. I mean, like I said, it took me two years to write. So for you to really grasp everything, I want you to take your time. I want you to chew on it. Um, I, I do have on my website, I have free study guides that are six study guides so that you can take five chapters at a time and then come together as a group because I think what's in it it's important to discuss with others what you're learning so you can read it like that in in a group setting. I also have had friends tell me that they've used it as their quiet time. But it's 30 chapters and so they'll take one chapter a day and they'll read it and they'll, you know, mark in their Bibles and things like that. And then other people just kind of read a chapter or two, and if something really sticks out to them, they'll go back. I mean, I've had people tell me, oh, I've read that chapter three times. I keep, (laughs) you know, underlining things in my Bible and chasing down, you know, this this word in other places. And and that's what I want. I want people to see the word grace and have maybe a scripture that I didn't refer to in the book, but that pops in their head that they flip to. And it takes them deeper because that's the Holy Spirit in their life, Mm -hmm. teaching and guiding them and, and moving them so yeah th- this book is to be very much read and 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 studied and talked about but also used as a reference after i mean keep it keep it around put it on your shelf and if you can't remember what something means take it off flip to the amen. back yeah amen,
1: yeah amen you know we, we've talked about how other people can use it to expand their understanding of the bible how has your understanding of the bible expanded because of your studies
2: yes I. Too many, but this would be a 48 hour interview if I answered that in full. So I'm going to hit the highlights. <laughs> um
1: hey the folks, first we'll three... <laughs> tell Paul's here to go get a cup of coffee. You know? <laughs> no, get a cup of coffee.
2: <laughs> get your teddy bear. Yeah. Um, but it's the first three chapters um, were on holiness, and those chapters were the most daunting and they were the hardest to write. And I think I rewrote them. You've heard, you've probably heard writing is rewriting. I, rewrote those chapters probably six to eight times each Mm. because just kept honing in and honing in. Because it's so daunting because how in the world? I mean, the book is called Deeply Defined. How do you define something, you know, the the being, the creator of the universe that cannot be defined? And I finally had to wrap my mind around, look, I'm not even trying that. I'm trying to define aspects of His character that we can understand so that through His Spirit and His power, we can reflect those to other people. But that that meant a lot to me. Holiness, the the definition is, it's beautiful. It is that God is above and beyond, but yet he chooses to reach down and interact. And we see that with Adam and Eve as he walked in the garden. We see it, who he is in the person of Jesus Christ. We see it in the Holy Spirit indwelling us. We, we see that again and again and again. And when we understand that, I think it is again. It's that that humble thankfulness that we can go to the Lord because He is always with us. He'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. So the the holiness aspect was huge. Um, there are five chapters on grace and. That was a really fun one to dive into as well, because grace and holiness, the Hebraic concept of both of those are very, very similar. There's only about 8,000 Hebrew words that are used. Only, Only, right. And so (laughs) one means like 15 things. And so, which is not confusing. What it does is it offers layers to the meaning And, and it's beautiful. And usually because it's such an ancient language, there is something physical or a physical act that it describes, and so the idea of grace is similar to holiness. It's a picture of a loving father bending down to help a child, mm-hmm. and then you compare that with holiness above and beyond. Yet chooses to reach in and interact. We see grace in His holiness, and we also see holiness in that grace, Amen. and so that that kind of goes together. And then my my favorite theologian is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who was just a complete and utter rock star anyway. He was during the Second World War and he got out of Germany. He actually went back because he had such a heart for the Jews and he died. It was like four hours or four days or I don't know, something um, before where he was. He was in a concentration camp. Um, was liberated. So, but just this beautiful concept of cheap grace and costly grace. And so we talk about that. I talk about that in the book as well, because I think when we understand, when we make God's grace cheap and we don't understand what it is, we're not really experiencing grace at all. Right. And then he calls it costly grace, where it's this beautiful, you know, we can't earn grace. It's not, it's, it's given, you know um, it's by grace. You're saved through faith, not by works. But when we, when we understand that it helps us how we live and it helps us again, approach that throne of grace that, that the Bible talks about. So, you know, those, those things meant a lot. And then the little nuggets um, like the word glory, uh, is such a cool. That's one of my favorite discoveries. Um, glory comes from battle armaments. I mean, who knew? What right. you know? Yeah. <laughs> and it's heavier weighty, and and so that's neat too. So there's a lot of different ways that it has impacted my own personal walk and study and faith and worship and prayer time. And so yeah, it's it's been it's been really fun.
1: Amen. Amen. <sighs> There's so many questions I could ask right now. (laughs) (laughs) I know one of your favorites to talk about, though, is what it means to be still.
2: Oh, Can you
1: share a little bit about that?
2: Yes. This is the one that I think every day I probably refer to. I actually have. Be Still and Know, which is Psalm 4610. I have it on my bathroom wall. A friend painted it on this this beautiful wood for me, and I see it every morning. But there's all kinds of different be stills in the Bible. And in the book, there's a chapter, and I I think I hit four of them. But my favorite be still is the one in Psalms 4610, where it says, be still and know that I am God. And again, like I told you that that Hebrew usually has an action, and the, the be still action, that it's referring to is, uh, the word is Rafa in Hebrew, and it's a picture of fists put together and made as tight as they can. And to where you can feel it. I mean, if you do that, if you make a fist right now, you could feel it down your forearm. You might be able to feel it in your biceps, even in your shoulders, because you get so tense and then you let go and your whole body relaxes. Mm -hmm. Well, Rafa is the act of, of opening up. And letting go, and that idea of be still and know is cease fighting, let it go, Amen. trust the Lord. And what I love about that picture yeah. is yeah. when when you when you have that fist and then you and you let go. You go from a stance of fighting to a stance of worship. Amen. And yeah. so, if we ever Amen. are worried, or concerned, or afraid, or whatever it is. We just, or if we just think, I don't know how this is gonna turn out, I just think, Janie, just let it go. Thank let you. it go. The Lord has it. You know, and then the even the and no goes with that be still because um, knowledge in the Hebraic sense was experiential. In our sense, because we come from the Greco Roman world, it's it's very linear. And so knowledge is is very cerebral, but in the Hebraic culture. You didn't know something until you experienced it. So every time the Bible talks about knowing God, it's talking about experiencing God in your life, which is why he's a personal God. It's why the holiness matters, why the grace matters. It's, you know, it all goes together and it just takes you to these beautiful places where, where you can... Um, socialize, integrate is, is the better word, integrate your life with, with our creator in such a beautiful and intimate way. Amen. So, yeah, but that be still, I, I I'll be driving down the road and I'll be thinking about something, you know, and I might worry or, oh, no, what's going to happen? Or I don't know what to do about this. And I'm like, Janie, be still. And I'll just open up, you know, I'll let go of the steering wheel and just open up. There's no telling what people driving beside me. think. But, <laughs> yeah. <Amen>.
1: Oh, <laughs> You don't have one of those uh, self-driving Teslas? You know?
2: I Don't. And I don't know that I could get in one of those. That is just weird to me. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly.
1: Hey, folks, Pastor Bob here. We're all out of time for today's portion of this great interview with Janie Pitts. Now, uh, folks, some of the best Bible studies I've ever conducted is when a word just jumped off the page at me. And then I went out and got my concordance. I got other versions of the Bible and started studying it, just that one word. And then doing more research and and checking the cultural situation and, and the settings in which Jesus was giving this as an example. And that has turned into some great sermons, a few books. But folks, that's how you really do a Bible study, okay? And Jamie has done this with deeply defined understanding who you are in Christ. You need to drop down the show notes, get this book, add it to your collection, add it to your reading list, add it to your Bible study group, order three, four, five copies, hand one out to to your Bible study and just dive in. Get this information. It is so priceless. I can't emphasize that enough. Now, the good news is she's coming back for part two in this next episode. You need to make sure that you come back and, and catch up with us because she, all, all we did so far is just lay the groundwork. She's going to go into a deep dive now, and you do not want to miss it. All right, Till next time, this is Pastor Bob reminding again. Be blessed in all that you do.
0: Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Kingdom Crossroads Podcast. podcastersforchrist.com for more information. Until next time, be blessed in all that you do.